Welcome, everyone. We're going to start in about a minute or so. We're going to let some folks trickle in. Good morning, folks, as you come on in. Good morning, everyone. I'll give it a couple more seconds here. Good morning, Lydia. Hi, Abigail. It's good seeing a friendly, and my good friend, Anthony, Darren, John. Wow, this is exciting. One of the benefits of our virtual environment is we can connect across the country, across the globe. Hi, Sushama, Reese, Bonnie, and Jonathan. I could just spend the entire opening remarks reading hellos, but I will begin my opening remarks pretty soon. <clears throat> Hi, Anju. I'm glad that everyone's finding the chat box. We're going to use the chat box. There are some, there's a lot of functionality with AirMeet that is equivalent to and sometimes surpasses Zoom. And I, I will be going over some of those logistics. Great, 9.16, I'm gonna begin. Good morning, everyone. I'm excited to be with you. We have over 1,000 registrants, including faculty, seminary students, pastors, campus ministers, community organizers, political activists, artists, and social workers. Welcome to our 2021 Asian American Theology Conference. My name is Dr. David Chow. I am the director of the Asian American Program at Princeton Theological Seminary. I also serve as the chair of the steering committee for this 2021 Asian American Theology Conference titled Lived Theology in Asian America, Race, Justice, and Politics in Trans-Pacific Context. The entire steering committee is thrilled that you are able to join us for a full two days of programming. The mission of Princeton Theological Seminary is to prepare women and men to serve Jesus Christ in ministries marked by faith, integrity, scholarship, competence, compassion, and joy, equipping them for leadership worldwide in congregations and the larger church, in classrooms and the academy, and in the public arena. This is an, an academic conference on Asian American theology in the sense that we have some of the leading scholars from the fields of Asian American studies and theology presenting their latest research with us. However, this is more than simply an academic conference because we want to equip Asian American Christian leaders with knowledge and practical skills to support their ministries, their witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and their pursuit of racial justice. One of the core theological tasks of my office and this conference is to understand how faith in Christ involves commitment to racial justice. These are related theological commitments. To say that this past year with the pandemic has been a tough one is an understatement. 
As the director of the Asian American program at Princeton Theological Seminary, part of what I do is teach courses pertaining to Asian American theology. I had my last lecture this Tuesday. Students are in reading period now and approaching final exams. Many simply want to turn the corner and wrap up this academic year. Many hope for a very different experience this summer and in the fall semester. This week bore the emotional weight of the conclusion of the Derek Chauvin case. While many of us were relieved that Derek Chauvin was pronounced guilty for the murder of George Floyd, we also mourn the losses of Dante Wright, Adam Toledo, and Micaiah Bryant, as well as the Sikh individuals murdered in Indianapolis. The senseless killing does not end. Many in the Asian American community are still reeling from the March 16 Atlanta murders. We mourn with the families of Daoyou Feng, Hyung Chung Grant, Sun Cha Kim, Soon Chung Park, Xiao Jie Tan, and Yao A. Yu for the loss of their lives. While the conference was planned before many of the widely publicized attacks against Asian Americans this spring, we do want this conference to address current events. As I talk with and listen to the Asian and Asian American students I serve, I have heard many stories from the past year of sleeplessness, nightmares, panic attacks, emotional breakdown, existential hollowness, terror in leaving the apartment for mundane tasks, and above all, anger. Many of us are coming to this conference tired burdened and worn out, we are grieving. Many of us need a place where we can collect our thoughts about the anti-Asian racism hurting our communities and situate current events within a larger historical and broader theological framework. This conference provides such a space for stakeholders in Asian American Christianity, be they pastors, lay leaders, community organizers, and scholars, to reflect together to share our stories of struggle for justice and empower each other. Many of us need, in the words of my friend and colleague, Melissa Borja, a place where we can turn our pain into power. This conference aims to turn our pain into power through centering the faith and practice of Asian American Christians. There are few spaces in Christian theology and ministry that center the faith practice and agency of Asian American Christians. When it comes to public discussions of race and politics in this country, Asian Americans are often erased from the conversation. Just this past Sunday, an Asian American student was assaulted on the campus of a major university. Yesterday, in the university president's announcement to the campus, nothing was said about the attack against the Asian American student. This is one example that fits an all too familiar pattern where Asian Americans are made invisible. By enlisting scholars of sociology, history, ethics, and theology, as well as activists and community organizers, this conference aims to equip and empower Asian American Christians through critical reflection on Christian faith, racial justice, and Asian American experience. This morning after my opening remarks at 9.30 a.m., Jerry Park will share how church leaders can raise the profile of Asian American congregations when important surveys are taken. At 10 a.m. Eastern, 
Jane Hong will discuss the history of Asian American churches and the struggle for justice. At 10.30 a.m., Melissa Borja will report on the latest research regarding anti-Asian hate, as well as share stories of Asian American resistance. At 11 a.m. Eastern, we will have a panel discussion among the Friday morning speakers, along with question and answer with the audience. This afternoon at 1 p.m., Melissa Borja will lead us in a practical workshop on how to have conversations about justice at church. At 1.30 p.m. Eastern, we will have a moderated conversation with Sung Yun Choi Moro and Lucas Kwong about faith, community organizing, and Asian American churches. And at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, we will have a fireside chat featuring Craig Barnes and Jonathan Tran on race, the church, and Asian America. Tomorrow morning, we begin promptly with my opening remarks at 9.15 a.m. Eastern. At this point, I want to introduce the steering committee who are your hosts for this conference. Bonnie Lin is a PhD candidate in practical theology at Princeton Theological Seminary and was also an important part of the leadership for the 2019 Asian American Theology Conference. Darren Yao is a graduate student in the Department of Religion at Princeton University in the subfield of politics, religion, and ethics. Darren has helped organize the Asian American Studies faculty graduate group at Princeton University. Thank you, Bonnie and Darren, for your work and leadership in helping to make this conference a reality. A special word of recognition for John Huang, founder and CEO of Public Platform. John's vision for public scholarship that employs a wide ranging suite of new media is nothing short of breathtaking. Thank you, John Huang and Public Platform for your tireless leadership and work. Logistics. I want to review the logistics for our conference and some of the innovative features of AirMeet. AirMeet does everything that a Zoom session does. For example, during the sessions, presenters will have 20 minutes to give their presentation, after which there will be 10 minutes of question and answer with the audience. People can ask their questions in the chat feed function. The hosts will scan the questions in the chat feed and select questions for the presenter. Questions for the presenter can also be directed to the hosts. I do need to say this. We have a code of conduct. My co-hosts will place the code of conduct in the chat feed. Any harassing, intimidating, or discriminatory speech related to race, gender, gender identity or expression, sexual orientation, national origin, religion, disability, physical appearance or body size, marital status, age, or any other protected category will not be tolerated. AirMeet has some significant advantages over Zoom when it comes to a virtual conferencing platform. One of the differences you will notice through the tabs on the top of your screen is that you can move around in virtual space from the session to the lounge to the booths areas. We opened the lounge space before the first session, as I saw hundreds of folks gathering in the lounges, and we will have that lounge space open during sessions and breaks to allow for people to join tables and chat with one another. Some tables are marked open networking, others are marked for academics or pastors, for example. The tables are open for anyone to use. For example, if you meet someone in the chat box 
and want to connect outside of the session, you can direct message them and say, hey, let's continue the conversation in the lounge at table 15. If attendees would like the steering committee to, de to designate more tables for a certain topic or audience, for example, on the topic of justice, um, attendees can direct message the steering committee through AirMeet, and we will, we will make the accommodation. I want to acknowledge and thank our 12 sponsors, including Princeton Theological Seminary, the Overseas Ministry Study Center, the Presbyterian Mission Agency of the PCUSA, the Asian American Language Ministry Plan of the United Methodist Church, Pacific School of Religion, Asian American Christian Collaborative, Westminster John Knox Press, Whippenstock Publishers, Erdman's Publishing, Rutgers University Press, Faith and Community Empowerment, and Inheritance Magazine. This conference would not have been possible without their financial and marketing support. Many of our sponsors have set up virtual exhibit booths. I encourage all attendees to enter the booth space and pop in to these sponsor booths and chat with folks. The Presbyterian Mission Agency is a speaker level sponsor and is the ministry and mission agency of the Presbyterian Church USA. The Presbyterian Mission Agency partners with congregations and groups wherever the Holy Spirit leads and as the General Assembly directs. If you stop by the Presbyterian Mission Agency virtual booth, you can check out their Matthew 25 initiative that seeks to build congregational vitality, dismantle structural racism, and eradicate systemic poverty. Having conversations at tables in the lounge and stopping by the exhibit booths are some of the innovative, innovative ways that the AirMeet platform seeks to replicate many of the benefits of attending an in-person conference. Wrapping up, I was meeting with some of the conference speakers before Easter. One friend and colleague shared how Easter gave her hope and that the timing of this conference during the month of Easter could inspire us with resurrection hope. Prayer is one way that we can turn our pain into power. The Holy Spirit is often referred to as the power of God. Yesterday, I was praying with some faculty and student leaders for this conference. One colleague shared how outside his window this spring, there was a magpie nest being built. I did not know this, but magpie nests can be large and dome-shaped. The image was for this conference to be a spacious home and incubator for critical reflection on Christian faith racial justice, and Asian American experience. The hope is that new friendships are formed through our conversation over these two days. Let me open our conference with prayer. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you for this virtual space to gather, to learn, and to discuss. We ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us, we are experimenting with a new digital platform and ask that the logistics go smoothly. We are reflecting on the intersection of faith, race, and politics, and ask for charity and a culture of respect and kindness. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this virtual space and ask that you inspire us to pursue Jesus Christ with greater faith, hope, and love. We ask that you make new friendships and relationships. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So it is 9.30. We are going to begin with Jerry Park's presentation. Hi, Jerry. Good. Someone. Hi, everyone. 
let me introduce Jerry, and then I will turn the floor over to him. Give me a second. Great. Dr. Jerry Park is an associate professor of sociology and an affiliate fellow of the Baylor Institute for Studies of Religion. He graduated from the University of Virginia with a psychology degree and earned his master's and PhD degrees in sociology from the University of Notre Dame. His research in interests include the sociological study of religion, race, identity, culture, and civic participation. Currently, his research focuses on attitudes towards racial and religious minorities and perceptions of discrimination from racial and religious minorities, including perceived religious group threats, white perceptions of racial inequality, perceptions of anti-Muslim discrimination, and perceived Asian American advantage. Please welcome Jerry Park. And Jerry, Thank the floor you. is yours. Thank you so much, David. It's great to be here, everybody. Good morning. Uh, let me uh, try to share screen here. And let's begin. I want to thank uh, David Chow, the Asian American Theology Conference organizers in Princeton Theological Seminary for this opportunity to speak and listen to this audience of pastors, staff workers, uh, and scholars. I had not originally planned to start this way, but Drs. Borja and Chow's insights helped me rethink this presentation. For some, perhaps most of us, the past 13 months have not only been a shock in observing COVID protocols, but also a shock as anti-Asian assaults are being reported nationwide. My institution's student newspaper ran a story just yesterday about an Asian American student assaulted this past Sunday. This is the same one that uh, Dr. Chow just mentioned. As of this moment, I have yet to see any institutional response to this, and this deafening silence adds to the kind of alienation and isolation that many feel after receiving such violence. Some of us are still processing these experiences, and sadly, I sense that we may be continually processing this for some time. But as I process this in the middle of this amazing gathering, I thought that I could present a few questions to prompt your reflection as I pivot to what I would like to share. I do not know the student that was assaulted. He prefers to remain anonymous. But a broad question occurred to me that I invite you to think about. What is the church's response to this crisis and to this student and his community? My institution's motto, Pro Ecclesia Pro Texana, centers its identity as an institution for the church and the great state of Texas. What does it mean for a Christian higher education institution to be in the service of the church? Its student body has no faith statement requirement but is required to abide by a loosely enforced code of conduct while a student on the campus. So I think about our Asian American students, many of whom identify as Christian, and many who do not, but were willing to abide by the moral expectations set before them. When students, Christian or otherwise, enroll in a Christian institution, what obligations does that institution have? And by extension, what obligations do our local churches have for those who find their way virtually or in person to our communities? And finally, what if anything is unique about Asian American communities when thinking about these institutional responsibilities? Now, unlike some audiences, I don't need to make a case that churches matter. For most of us trained in a seminary or some kind of graduate school curricula in theology, religious studies, sociology, or psychology of religion, we have been shown in various ways how congregations matter. But some of us may have noticed, as I have, that these studies rarely mention race or ethnicity. And take, for example, Dr. Mark Chaves' Congregations in America, 
which, is just been, which had just been published as I began my tenure track at Baylor. Using the gold standard survey, the general social survey, Chaves asked every interviewee for the address and name of the church that they attended if they attended anywhere at least once in the last year. Now, because the GSS is allegedly representative of the U.S., Chaves argues that his national congregation study is representative of congregational life in the U.S. Statistics like the total number of congregations in the U.S., the type of church where most attenders go, the size of multiracial churches all rely on some of the same logic as the NCS, reliance on surveys that are proportional to the U.S. census population and require English fluency from respondents and interviewees, Spanish being the occasional exception. So why is this important? Because Asian Americans are just 6% of the U.S. population, so they will never be large enough in a national representative, nationally representative survey method. Second, more than one-third of Asian Americans are not fluent in English, including quite a number of church leaders. Half of Vietnamese Americans, more than 45% of Korean Americans, and 40% of Chinese Americans are not fluent in English. So this tells us that the estimates of Asian Americans in normal surveys are likely biased and make less visible or invisible the diversity of Asian America. So what does this mean about our so-called nationally representative statistics of Asian American Christians? It means we won't see many of those kinds of statistics on most surveys even today, and when we do see them, they reflect a more upwardly mobile, English-fluent portion of Asian America, all due to sampling. Now, as a social scientist, I have observed that what we know about congregational life is based almost entirely on the white Protestant and sometimes white Catholic experiences. And yet the findings are disseminated with a tacit assumption that what is true for white Christians must be true for everyone else. Because of the larger presence of white Christian churches in these studies, anything that might be unique about church experience and practice for non-white Christian communities is invisible or treated as anomalous. If we wanted to know whether Asian American Christians are struggling with more mental stress due to the kind of discrimination that the student who was assaulted faced, we wouldn't be able to know this through most of our surveys about church life in America, nor from conventional individual level surveys. We don't know if immigrant Korean, Vietnamese, or ch Chinese churches were the leaders that don't answer surveys by phone or internet because they aren't fluent in English, have greater struggles with economic and food security during this pandemic. So one of the aims of this conference is for me to listen to you as an audience of mostly non-academic religious professionals because we have an unprecedented opportunity to center Asian American Christian congregations in a national study. Right now, a massive survey called the Collaborative Multiracial Politics Survey is being administered for, uh, with an expected 20,000 respondents. What makes this so important for this audience is that 4,000 of those respondents will identify as Asian American, sometimes called an oversampling of a minoritized group. The survey is translated also into Chinese, Korean and Vietnamese to help improve representativeness. And through a grant from the Louisville Institute, I was able to add several sets of questions that tap into various political cultural values and perceptions of various groups in society. This will give us an initial insight into a question that some of you may have wondered about also. What do Asian American Christians think about the white Christian nationalism that was displayed on January 6th? Results will follow once that data are collected and cleaned for analysis. But in addition to those survey questions, I included a question about church attendance and I followed the example of the NCS 
by asking church attending respondents to name the church and or cross streets of their church. Where the NCS has information on a mere 30 Asian American churches, the CMPS sample should yield more than 900. And some of you might be thinking, well, that's great, but what will you do with these church addresses? Well, this is what the NCS did. They took those addresses and then found a key leader at every church and asked them to complete a survey with details about their church, like racial composition, use of hymns versus praise songs, social services, the size of the church, uh, how it's governed, and more. The NCS instrument gives us an introductory portrait of the health and well-being of U.S. congregations, but as I mentioned before, most of this is based on a predominantly white churches in the U.S., which are the majority of the NCS sample. So the hope is that the CMPS sample will be the beginning of a massive data gathering venture where we can shine a spotlight on Asian American Christian communities with the kind of breadth and comparativity that studies of white congregations often have. First question for reflection. What needs are there for Asian American Christian communities that are not a priority for most white churches? In what ways can we leverage this data collection opportunity to help churches remain vital and resourceful for the people it serves and could serve? Again, my thoughts go back to the student who was recently assaulted and the thousands of others who have been mistreated. The road to an Asian American uh, Christian data collection is fraught with challenges, and I would like your insights on solving some of these uh, dilemmas. To get good data, good meaning that the data are reflective of the population as it is intended to re represent, we need cooperation. Americans hate surveys and I get it. Nearly every business and nonprofit is sending surveys about customer satisfaction, service quality, you name it. And Americans are tired of them. And not surprisingly, the response rates for surveys about social life and social attitudes have also plummeted. So here's my next question for reflection. If we want to pursue a truly representative study of Asian American churches, what will it take to gain the cooperation of 900 churches? As a starter, I speculate that many church leaders are hesitant to respond to white researchers, possibly due to a language barrier or perhaps racial distrust. So what can researchers do to overcome that obstacle and gain more cooperation among the church leaders being surveyed? Aside from cooperation, there is the issue of content. Asian American, churches, Asian American churches are variously included in a number of social categories that have been studied qualitatively in the past. Most Asian American churches are predominantly immigrant, so they are usually included in studies of immigrant churches. Churches developed for the second generation and beyond have shown up in studies of multiracial churches, millennial churches, special, pur special purpose parishes. Asian American churches, in other words, are not treated as a standalone unit in part because there are no attempts to do so. And the content studied in an exemplary Asian American church relies on centering white Protestant church experience. Even many of our guiding concepts are sourced from studies of white Christian churches. If this proposed national Asian American uh, congregation study were to be funded, what unique characteristics center our faith communities that set them apart from others? So here's one idea. Most of us think, uh, most of us, I think, have familiarity with the rise in anti-Asian racism occurring in the U.S. And we also know that the racism extends beyond individual attacks like the one I mentioned earlier here in Waco. It could include reduced business patronage and greater mental health concerns. And each of these issues are real people with real lives. And we know nothing about whether these victims are in some way supported by a local church community, whether Christian or otherwise. 
Anecdotes from news stories tell us that the racism extends to church defacement, Zoom bombing of religious gatherings online. We also know that some Asian American Christians are mobilizing either to raise awareness of the racism affecting their communities or in solidarity efforts to bridge racial divides from previous generations. We need to know more about what Asian American Christian churches are doing for their members and attenders. A few scholars have linked some of the anti-Asian racism to Christian nationalism, and some of you might recall that Asian Americans and the flags of their ancestral homes were visible in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. To what extent are Asian American Christian congregations explicitly or tacitly endorsing this nationalism? And what does it mean for Asian American believers to be marginal in this narrative of white Christian triumphalism? Lastly, if we, if we manage to successfully gain cooperation from over 900 churches representing the Asian American Christian community at large, what sort of communication would best help these congregations? The academic in me always says, well, of course, a university press book and half a dozen academic articles. Well, with more than 15 years of experience in observing typical church-going Christians, I realize that most of that is inaccessible for most people. Over the past decade, many data collection efforts are now including buying and building websites that can uh, get the latest findings in short digestible research notes uh, with greater immediacy. So what other modes of communication would make this project more applicable for churches? One idea I thought about, what about including a comparative tool on a website where a visitor enters key information about the size of their church, the racial composition, social services, or community building programs, and then this produces a small report on how that church fits with other Asian American churches that have a similar profile. These informative mini reports would help someone understand how their local congregation is similar to other churches throughout. Uh, we could include a few exemplary churches in each summary. Uh, what about having a documentary? I'm interested in your answers. So presuming this presentation signals something of real value for you, you may be asking, when will this be available? That is dependent on funding. A venture like this will require many collaborators, website development, translations, time outside of the classroom. Gaining consideration from funding agencies that have usually supported the work of white scholars studying white religious communities is more difficult than it might appear. But if all of the data collection and strategizing and funding comes through smoothly, we might launch this study in 2023 and have results by 2024. I know that that's a long way off, but this is the trade-off for high quality research that is expansive in a matter we have not yet seen. To close, we understand live theology and racial justice involves a sociological lens as much as theological and critical analyses. Those narratives that provide scripts and frames to understand the divine and the everyday are all embedded in communities and networks. My hope is that social science can help discover important similarities and divergences between those communities and the way they live out their theology within their social context. To do so, we need conversations like this one, where pastors and researchers are in the same space. So I look forward to gleaning much from you over this weekend. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry, for that uh, fantastic presentation. Uh, I, I put you at the top of the schedule for our conference because beginning with some basic data points is extremely helpful for a very diverse audience that may not include theologians or academics. Uh, as we wait for folks to generate their questions for some conversation, we have about 14 minutes now for our other speakers to interact with Jerry's presentation along with the audience to 
interact with Jerry's presentation. And I'm going to rely on my host, my co-host, Darren, to begin organizing some of those questions. In the meantime, Jerry, what would you like to hear most from the audience? In, in a sense, one of the features of your presentation was almost a crowdsource from the audience, since we do have many Christian leaders, uh, some of whom are pastors. Um, what would be helpful to hear from, from the audience? Uh, thank you, David. Yeah, the, I think the main thing I'm looking for is content and uh, cooperation strategies. So uh, content-wise, we, we have the uh, uh, NCS instrument already, but I want to tailor it uh, and modify it considerably so that we can center Asian American Christian experiences uh, in this kind of a study. Uh, and secondly, um, as I mentioned in the uh, presentation, people don't like to fill out these surveys. So uh, we need to get uh, religious leaders of each of these 900 congregations, possibly if, if we can find that many, uh, to fill out um, a survey, uh, probably online. And uh, yeah, we need strategies on how to do that because uh, we now have what we call 5% response rates. That is every 100 people that are contacted, only five answer. So far, uh, they say that there are no statistically significant differences between uh, a, a good survey where there's like a 70% response rate uh, and this 5%, but it's really alarming <laughs> for anybody who's been trained in social science research when only five out of every 100 people you reach uh, will answer your survey. So for something like this, we need to have a really high response rate and I'm looking for ideas on what helps pastors or other religious leaders of these communities uh, to fill out and cooperate with these kinds of survey uh, data collection efforts. Yeah, and I think, I, I know we have national level denominational leaders in our audience. And so we really welcome some feedback from leadership, uh, leadership within denominations and those who work closely with churches to help Jerry strategize on increasing response rates. I think the incentive here is broadly about representation, that mm -hmm. if Asian Americans in this country feel excluded from public discourse about um, race, for example, and we want to see our voice and our agency represented, then Jerry is delivering a, a, a really specific way for churches, Asian American churches, to be more adequately represented uh, yeah, in, in data. It doesn't sound um, glamorous, but I think <laughs> it's incredibly strategic, wouldn't you say, Jerry? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's been my uh, passion, and speaking as a Christian, um, since I was in graduate school, actually, that I could uh, take the tools I've learned in social science research uh, to make it of use to the church. Um, and uh, my closest home is the Asian American church. So I've uh, wondered about like what it would take to do that, especially living in a city in the middle of central Texas. Um, and how exactly uh, was I supposed to be living out this calling? And so I was uh, just really excited to have this opportunity to speak and this uh, amazing opportunity from the CMPS and uh, with some very uh, great funding from the Louisville Institute. It seems like everything's converging now. So um, I'm really excited to be living out a calling that I've been feeling for quite a number of decades uh, and it's it's working itself out now. So uh, I'm uh, happy to serve it in whatever capacity I can. And yeah, it's not a super glamorous project in a lot of ways, but I hope that uh, what is collected is gonna be so useful that uh, pastors and other religious leaders will be able to use this for quite a long time. 
So I do have a comment slash question, and I invite my co-host Darren to come on stage if he's got some questions that he's been uh, collecting. Christopher Tay um, has, I'll read the question, but I'll, I'll kind of reformulate it. The question of how best to disseminate findings is really pressing. Um, we talked about traditional monographs or peer-reviewed articles as one way to disseminate information. Mm -hmm. uh, have Insta TikTok approaches been discussed? So I take it to be that social media, new media, is a, an alternative form for both gathering information and disseminating information. Have you been involved with the survey makers about the employment of new media? No, I haven't. Um, I, yeah, in fact, of all the survey opportunities I've been able to participate in, I've never seen anyone use anything beyond Twitter and maybe a Facebook post. And usually they're like links to get you to read a book or to find an article and read that, uh, or maybe even a report that's on a website. But yeah, I've never yeah. seen anything from uh, TikTok, Instagram, uh, and things that are more like, I guess, uh, uh, on the cutting edge of social media. Right. And Mary, Mary Zito, I'm just catching this comment, for Chinese churches, it's WeChat. And so there are, there are ethnic specific communication tools, um, cacao for some cacao, other group. Yeah. And so I think there, there are some really helpful comments from the chat about using new media to, to increase participation. Because Jerry, that's really, what, at the end of the day, you're asking about increased participation, right? Absolutely, yeah. And hopefully increase utility by, you know, using social media and other outlets to get um, some of this information out so that people uh, can actually work with it. Yeah. Yep, yep. I continue to welcome questions and comments from the audience. We've got 303 people in this session. So uh, part of it is organizing the threads here. Oh, good. I see some more questions here. Let me. And if I can just add one uh, point that you brought up, David, uh, there are a number of Asian American churches that are tied to a denomination, but uh, there are many that are quite independent too. So I'm wondering, um, how do you get some of these high profile or even uh, you know, mid-sized kinds of churches that don't have some kind of a larger structure that they're a part of uh, to participate in something like this? Yeah, this reminds me of the, the, the vaccination rollout, how the government, state government, and local governments have needed to partner with community organizations, mosques, temples, churches, yes. respected mm -hmm. uh, civic and religious leaders to dispel false information and to encourage uh, vaccination. It seems like a similar type of public education and service uh, campaign would be relevant, which means boots on the ground in local communities, right? So this is where the funding piece comes in. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. contacts with each of those local organizations. Yep. Yeah, look yeah. at the local level. And we've got yeah. Kit Morris from Canada. Social media is good to survey existing communities, but who is cataloging the different online communities to target? So that's a staffing issue, right? It, it, it requires staffing to aggregate and organize the various online platforms in addition to physical. So it seems like we need to target um, both physical outreach and social media outreach. 
And I know right. this is something that um, Melissa Borja has thought a lot about. So at some point, she'll, she'll be commenting on some of this, I believe. I'm and, just jotting down Yeah, and I'm just scrolling through the comments as well. We've got people posting. Uh, Christopher Tay again has posted um, helpful information, and the, the chat will be recorded. All of this is uh, being recorded. So okay, fantastic. After the after the fact. Yeah, I continue to welcome folks to direct questions to Jerry, and Jerry, for you to continue addressing the, the audience. I will continue to sift through the comments and questions. Yeah, I see a comment uh, that AAPI data is a good resource for data. Uh, so super strongly agree. Um, I, I really enjoy all the presentations and uh, data that they've been sharing uh, through that website. Highly recommended for everybody. Jerry, it strikes me that when I was listening to your presentation, one of the arguments you were making is it's difficult for Asian Americans in general and Asian American churches in particular to to work together on shared interests, whether it's small business um, support, um, uh, health um, issues, education issues. It's hard for a collective voice to be organized if we lack basic information on who is in our town, who is mm -hmm. in our city, who is yeah. in our state, mm -hmm. and what our views are on any particular issue, X, Y, or Z. And the survey provides a first level data point from right. which activities could be coordinated. Is that one of the basic arguments you're making? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, one of the uh, big values of trying to do something that's more broadly representative of the country is to say, uh, what is the approximate proportion, let's say, of Asian American churches in the area in which uh, somebody lives? So uh, each of these kinds of factors uh, can be placed into a data set and we can actually uh, um, put that together, I think, in some pretty accessible uh, visuals or informative uh, sheets that should be able to be generated, I think, on a website. Uh, so that's, right. that's one idea I was uh, toying with as far as how to make this useful and accessible. Let's say somebody was moving to a different part of the country and they were looking for a certain kind of a church. They could go to this kind of a website, for example, type in, yeah, I'm looking for these kind of characteristics and uh, poof, it says, well, in the, uh, uh, let's say, Sacramento Bay area, uh, there are going to be these uh, particular kinds of churches. Uh, there's about this many people of uh, Chinese background, of Korean background, of Vietnamese, Filipino, uh, you name it. I see Darren. Darren, you want to drop a question to Jerry really quick while, while we have a couple minutes? Sure. Um, I have, uh, I'm just pulling two questions from the Q&A. Uh, SJ has a question uh, from Regent College. Uh, he asks, how are you thinking about capturing the perspectives of Asian Americans who belong to multicultural congregations, or for that matter, um, Asian Americans who aren't part of, uh, strictly speaking, Asian American congregations? Um, that's one question. And a sort of related question from uh, Jillian is how are we capturing uh, the sort of thoughts and opinions of Asian Americans who are part of trans-Pacific um, sort of congregation. So they're not necessarily in America, strictly speaking, but they might be in more sort of fluid global contexts, given um, the, the sort of connections between East Asia and um, many on the Pacific Rim. 
Okay, uh, thank you for those questions. Uh, um, I'll try to be as transparent as possible. I think on that second point, um, I had not thought that through. Uh, I don't know uh, what it would take to uh, see if we can get a, a great sampling of trans-Pacific, transnational types of religious communities. Um, but you know, uh, I really appreciate that question because that's actually one of the things that would make Asian Americans unique as far as uh, why we would have a study like this in the first place. This is probably something that's not uh, a great priority for a lot of uh, predominantly white churches. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. And I could use some ideas on uh, how exactly we're gonna pull that off uh, if, if we could collect that kind of data. Uh, to the first question, uh, what do we do with Asian Americans who are not in predominantly Asian American churches? Well, one of uh, the good news is that uh, the CMPS includes a question that uh, I got through funding from the Louisville Institute where I ask uh, everybody that attends any kind of a church more than never, uh, what is the approximate uh, percentage of the racial proportions within the church that you're a part of, right? I know it goes only by perception, so uh, they're completely guessing and uh, there's always room for error. Uh, that's that's just going to be a reality. But what that can do, though, is it can allow us to separate out. Here are the Asian American respondents that are uh, attending a church, but that church is, does not look to be predominantly Asian. And then here's the other ones that are. And so with some subsequent funding, we would basically want to try to reach out to each of these kind of congregations and then